Hey, what's up, people? Another week. This is the Live Life Aggressive Podcast. Sensor Hogan, that's me. Mike Mahler on the other line. What's going on, my man? I'm doing good, man. I'm not only excited about today's guest, but I'm excited about the next several guests we have coming up because we're taking the show in a, in a very new and interesting direction. And we're going to be bringing way more variety than you've been used to since the inception of the show. But it's going to be really cool stuff about just improving the quality of your life, which is really what the show is about. We're not we're not a fitness show. We talk about fitness a lot, but that's just one component of things we're interested in. So you guys are going to love what's coming up next. Exactly, man. Yeah. So we, we never started this thing up to be a fitness podcast. There are a lot of them out there. You know, but this is like, again, about getting your lifestyle, man, putting all, everything, all the components of your life together. And we want to touch on that with each and one of our guests. Guests. Right. So I feel like we're doing our listeners a disservice if all we do is just focus on fitness, 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 fitness. Except today. <laughs> today is a good topic <laughs> because because so many people fit like a lot of our listeners do focus so much on fitness, especially the younger audience that we have. What ends up happening is they're setting themselves up for failure later on down the line because everything is all about fitness. They overtrain. They train too hard. They, they lift too heavy all the freaking time. They're jumping from one system to the next. And then 10, 20 years, 30 years down the line, which they're, a lot of them are not even thinking about, they're wondering, like, why is it I can barely freaking move now? And next thing you know, they become that guy that's like, yeah, I used to work out. All I do is now is walk. You know, that's, that's all I can do right now. Yeah, they're they're the guy who shows up at the gym but doesn't work out, just goes around <laughs> talking to people. Exactly. <laughs> oh, you ever see that guy? Every yeah. gym has that guy. He's, he's that guy that's still wearing those funny looking. Well, he's like, got jeans and a T-shirt. He exactly. shows up at the gym. He shows up like Stone Cold Steve Austin. He's wearing like jean shorts and, and like a knee brace. And every time you do, if you deadlift or something, he'll be the first guy to come over and be like, hey, you got Ew. a competition coming up? Or what are you doing now? And, 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 then, and then you realize, you know what? I've seen this guy here three times a week, but I've never seen him actually pick up anything. <laughs> Like what is he customer so you, service for the gym? What the hell? <laughs> quality control? You don't want to. You don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be a guy who just hangs out in the gym for social reasons. But that that's another discussion altogether. But also, you know, we have we have a strong part of our audience that are mature, otherwise known as old ass people. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and a lot of you old ass people listening to the show are buying a lot of our products. So we're definitely going to cater to you guys a little bit and throw you throw you a a personalized episode from time to time. So today we have a great guest. His name is Vince McConnell. He's been on the show before. He's one of the top strength coaches out there. He's been in the business longer than most of the so-called experts have <laughs> have even been around. Exactly. So when, we, when you talk to someone who's an expert and they've been in the business for three years, guess what? They're not an expert. Not an expert. <laughs> All right. They're an expert at lying convincing. that they're an expert. <laughs> but they're not an actual expert. Today we have an actual expert on. Before we get to Vince, remember, folks, support the show by using coupon code LLA to get 10% off the best nutrition supplements money can buy. My testosterone booster, my recovery oil, my Restorezyme to optimize your hormones, improve your recovery, give you the best results, and also just generally feeling great every day. Also, use that coupon code to get 10% off my videos, my ebooks, my t shirts, the whole shebang. You know the deal. And how about with you, man? Same thing. You go over to my website, newwarriortraining.com, use that same coupon code LLA. You'll get 10% off all my products over there, off my Chariador Costa Rican coffee stands for all you coffee lovers out there. You can read more about that on that page. Just click on the tab that says Costa Rican coffee, Chariadors. Yeah, there you go. And also on my weight management 101 cl- um, course. Trying to drink green tea here at the same time and trying to talk. <laughs> so, You're so excited about that tree, Dory. You, you, you exactly. forgot you even had that on. Because exactly. I'm, I'm, t- I'm trying something new. I'm like, I'm actually trying to make tea in it now and just seeing how that comes out. Oh, yeah, out. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, exactly. So I'm doing that right now and testing that out. And that's, I'm over here like trying to like, well, I was about to say, I'm over here trying to swallow and talk, but then that wasn't going to come out right. So I'm going <laughs> to move on from that. <laughs> okay. But anyway, you get 10% off of the wellness code book as well the digital download of that the digital download of my dvd as well as the physical copy any good products that i have over there man they're yours for 10 percent off when you use the coupon code lla and a lot of good stuff coming down the pipe from both of us so people you gotta make sure that you subscribe to this show download every week share it with everyone let everyone else know the good news man let them know what else is going on with the show and share it don't be stingy don't be a hoarder 
<laughs> okay. Yeah, give us the reviews. I mean, we have 129 reviews on iTunes, and we have thousands of people who listen to the show. So we <laughs> need, we need, <laughs> we need that's bad math. <laughs> yeah, don't don't be that person who goes. You know, I don't need to buy anything from Mike and Sincere because other people are buying from them, and they're they're supporting the show, so I can just tag along. And I don't I don't need to leave a review. They've already got 129 reviews. What do I need to leave a review for? It's like more reviews. I mean, if we if we had 800 reviews, we'd still be asking for reviews because it helps us. So if you're one of those people who's even thinking about giving a review and you haven't done it yet get on itunes or get on stitcher and give us a review and also don't be that yeah don't be that person yeah exactly you don't have to write an essay it doesn't (laughs) have to be 500 words a couple sentences and also don't be that person who's who just lets other people support the show and then you just tag along we (laughs) offer great products and services so take advantage of what we have to offer yep and that brings us to our guest today we've got vince mcconnell top strength coach vince how you doing buddy I'm doing good, guys. Good to be here again. Yeah, good to have you back. And we're going to talk today about – we're just going to give it a number so that we can focus the conversation. But we're going to talk about how to stay strong and fit past 50. So, Vince, please take it away. (laughs) First of all, 50 is the new 30. I mean, you know, it used to be, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. thinking that if you made it to 30 and you could still squat and you could still <laughs> go to the bathroom without assistance, <laughs> it was actually an accomplishment. But now you're seeing more and more, you know, just like what you guys were talking about. It's not so much about fitness. And I can't stand the word wellness because that makes it sound like we are all 85. <laughs> yeah, the wellness center. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, A wellness so program. I never use, I never use that. And then functional, you can't use that either. I mean, it's just one of those things where, you know, it's – see, I, my clientele goes from eight years of age, and I've got an 87-year-old wow. client. And so, you know, when I see, you know, some of the issues with some of my high school guys – I, I got to stop you there one second. 87-year-old client, what exactly do you do with this client? I've actually put some stuff up on YouTube in the last um, oh, cool. couple, couple of weeks – because um, he's a retired doctor from New York, and he's living down here, been down here for about 15 years, been a client of mine for 15 years. Long story short, he despised weight training until he met me. He had did no resistance training whatsoever. I mean, not even band resistance or anything, just did nothing but what would be considered you know, cardio, running. He was a follower of the Kenneth Cooper Aerobics Institute yeah, right, and right. so forth, and and so um, I started training his wife, and then he came in, and he'd bring his Wall Street Journal in, and he'd watch what we were doing. This is 15 years ago. <laughs> and then finally I said, look, I will give you a free session if you just come in. Let me just show you a couple of exercises. And then finally he bought into it, and it was a little bit of a longer process than that. But he came in and said it was the worst experience of his life, and he's been with me ever since. So the point is is that, Strength-wise, it's just like it doesn't matter what age it is. It's always about applying principles. And so in answer to what do we, what do, we do, we do everything we do with any of my other clients. Right. I just scale everything back. And, um, and then the, you know, all the exercises we do has a greater margin of error, you know, from the standpoint we do a lot of heavy kettlebell deadlifts, for instance. Y'all work them up to the um, I've actually got kettlebells now that go up to 176 pounds. And I know, Mike, that'll even impress you, of all things. But, um, <laughs> you know, he's he's deadlifting heavy kettlebells. We throw med balls. We do the basic body weight exercises, push-ups, suspended rows. Um, we do a lot of prowler pushes. He's had two knees replaced. And I always tell him it's not because of what he's done with me. It's because he didn't do any strength training until he was, you know, into his 70s. Right. And, um you know, uh, strength-wise, we do single-leg work. We just don't load his spine. We don't do Well, things. you bring up an interesting point. It's just a, one thing I want to delineate. Now, let's talk about people that have been working out their entire life, and now they're 50, versus yeah. someone who just started working out at 50. What, do you, what, are, what, are the, what are the differences in applications, if any? <clears throat> you know, the difference in the, the 50-year-old that's been training for most of his life, or say, since he was a teenager, and then... You've got the, you know, 50-year-old say that's never worked out before. Let's just use that number. The difference is, is that you've got to start from the very beginning with the person that's never trained before at all. And then you actually can, you know, 
deal with mechanics from a clean slate. Whereas if you're dealing with somebody that's been training up to now, you've probably got to go backwards and do a lot of undoing first because they've already got an idea about how they should do certain exercises. They've already got an idea about what exercises they should be doing, which eight out of 10 times is really just a, a bunch of bullshit, you know, from the standpoint of, you know, a typical bodybuilding routine, nothing wrong with the bodybuilding routine, but the way that it's applied is something out of a magazine that they've read, which is, a you know, again, they've got all kinds of, um, you know, issues, orthopedic issues, typically, um, rarely do I ever have somebody into their forties, even that does not come in and say, here's my laundry list of things that I can't do and things that I need to make sure I work around. But then ironically, the things that they want to do are the things that are causing the problems. Right. Yeah. And, and so, you know, and it just, and then you have to work on their brain as much as you do their body in that sense. So in answer to the biggest part is getting the perception and their perspective of training down first. And when you're dealing with somebody that's been training for 20 or 30 years, it's a tougher sell on them to get them to understand they probably are not going to be doing certain exercises that they probably base their their ego or their their very existence in, in terms of training on. Right. And um, and then with the person that hasn't trained at all at 50, um, you really got to get them just, I mean, they're probably going to be lacking, you know, functional strength from a very basic level. So as long as they're, you know, not comparing themselves to somebody else, they'll be fine, you know, from the standpoint of body weight squats and push-ups, because, you know, they're not going to be doing a push-up correctly. They're going to be, even if they're guys that have been in the military and, you know, and those are, and a lot of times those are the worst. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Yeah, those are like some of the worst you've ever seen. The elbows flying out and you're just looking, you're just looking like, oh my God, your rotator cuff is going to take a beating, man. Yeah. So, so the, the biggest challenge guys is really, you know, getting, like I mentioned earlier, is just the perspective of what we're trying to accomplish across to them, because you get some guys that want to, you know, look at it from the standpoint of, you know, do as much as I can, as much as I can tolerate, you know, take the CrossFit mentality. And then you've got the other side that says, you know, you know, I, I don't want to do any more than I have to. So it's like, you've got to kind of get a happy medium between that. And then from there, training wise, I'm a big believer in frequency. And that's something that, you know, probably is going to confuse a lot of people that are thinking, no, the older you get, you ought to train less frequent. And I'm a believer that you should do something every day. That doesn't mean that you're, you know, doing anything heavy every day, but you definitely need to be doing something every day, even if it's just mobility. So I base everything off of, as an example, if we got a seven day week, I'll do, we'll go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday will be purely mobility, Thursday, Friday, and then the weekends are free for most people because they do have other, you know, I'm talking about a 50-year-old, say, because they've got other things that are going on as well as the fact that you do need, you know, more recovery, but they're doing some type of body weight drills on those days. Now, do I get everybody to follow that? No, but that's what I always at least present them with and that what we'll do is to, you know, set it up that way. Now, the reality is, I'm not going to be able to train with most of those people in my facility that frequently. So they're not going to follow it. So in that case, what we'll do is we'll do either two or three days a week. And then I will give them a routine that they do on their own, you know, with the understanding that if you want the full benefit of what we're doing in my facility, you know, on my time, you've got to make sure that you're doing these things on your own because they're a very important bridge between those workouts. If you have somebody that works out on Tuesday and Thursday and they don't do anything else between those two days, every single time that they come back in, it's going to feel like they're starting over again. Right. And then that's <laughs> that's demoralizing to those guys, especially when they're 50 and above, or even say guys in their you know 40s and above, because I have a lot of that clientele in the 40 to 50 range. And and they get very discouraged, and then they go on a trip, and they come back, and they're sore again. And then it's, it's one of those things where it's uh, always coming right back and eating out of the same bowl, so to speak, instead of it being a, a progressive thing. And that's the right. frustrating thing I have with them. Yeah. yeah, it's like training Groundhog's Day, pretty much, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. They come right back to the same thing. And then they then they want to complain because they're usually <laughs> driven people, either business-wise or in, you know, other areas and they're frustrated that they're not making progress and again it goes right back to i believe the older we get the more frequency becomes an issue and it doesn't mean frequency in the same exercises or at the same intensities but it definitely means that we need to be doing something every day to keep that ball rolling 
Now, how do you keep up with their, how do you help them keep up with any type of progress? Because again, a lot of times they'll sit there and think that, okay, I'm, when they come back and they're feeling sore after that, you know, three or like say four or five days off, and then it feels like day one all over again, how do you help them monitor that progress and show them like, well, dude, you know, here's the reason why blah, 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 blah. And when they are doing something, let's just say they are doing something frequently, like on a daily basis, and they start questioning like, well, maybe I'm overtraining, maybe I'm overtraining. And you can show them like, how do you show them that, okay, you're not overtraining. In fact, this is actually doing you a lot more good than harm. How do you do that, Vince? Well, to make sure, well, first of all, biofeedback is the most important, you know, asset. And that's, that's a, that's a, I know that's a, that's kind of skirting the, the question, you know, in the sense I'm not giving you a direct answer. But the thing is, is that you're not going to be at your best, you know, on a everyday basis. Right. You're not even going to be at your best on a predictable level. You are over a four or six week period. So I always explain to somebody that, you know, okay, you don't do something this week and then come back next week and you go, it's not any easier. I guess I'm not getting any better. <laughs> right. It's more, I mean, that's, that's, believe it or not, that's a mentality that I deal with at times. It's more about, okay, where are we over a four or six week period? And then that's how we base it on. We base it on not just on absolute load or how many reps somebody's doing, because the reality is, is that the better you get at doing certain exercises, the more you're getting out of them. And actually, maybe the fewer you're going to be able to do in certain moves. I mean, that's that's especially body weight exercises. If somebody can't do a pull up without kipping and then all of a sudden you teach them how to do it without kipping and then they're doing five reps and we're doing five sets of five and it's kicking their butt. And they're like, I used to do six sets of 12, you know, and you're like, no, those were not pull-ups though. Right. I mean, exactly. You, know, have to, you were flailing. You know, you have to. <laughs> well, people often say that to me. They're like, Hey Mike, I noticed your, your reps are pretty low for pull-ups. I go, yeah, when you do them correctly, <laughs> which means dead hang. And then I pull to the sternum and pause at the top of right. each rep. So I'm not using any momentum, any flaying around. You'll be surprised. I mean, I do sets of five throughout the day as part of my exercise break routine. And my sort, my trap, I mean, my lats are often sore the next day. And it's not because I've been pushing it hard. It's because I know, really know how to engage using strict form. I think, yeah, I think with, what happens exactly. with that, they look at YouTube and they see guys like the Bar Stars and the Calisthenic Kings and all those guys. Well, those guys can do all up an unlimited amount of reps as far as pull-ups. Well, that's what they practice pretty much on a daily basis. You know, but the thing is, how many people are actually doing a good routine where they spend about 15, 20, 30 minutes where the most of that workout is going to comprise of pull-ups. <laughs> no, not I, I'm pretty sure. Unless you're one of those guys I just mentioned, I'm going to probably say next to none. So therefore, guess what? If you can just sit there and accomplish five sets of five, you've are, you're so far ahead of the grade right now compared to everyone else in training. Even the strongest folks out there who can, over, who can overhead press an X amount of weight. You know, but the thing is, if they can sit there and press, let's say, 225, 300 or whatever, but they still can't perform a solid pull up and you can do five sets of five guess what you're ahead of the game right there you don't have yeah. to sit there and be a bar star where you can sit there and just do it throughout 20 minutes on a youtube video non-stop and do variations like about well so i mean well what do what do pull-up specialists look like no legs well, no legs <laughs> you know what they look like because, because after a certain they point like champagne I mean, glasses That's yeah you're not going <laughs> to do 50 pull-ups and then you've got big strong tree trunk legs it's just not yeah. going to happen you look at anyone who's a professional rock climber there are lats arms no legs no legs for yeah. functional purposes exactly. you know for a specific reason and that's okay but it, it, if you if you want to be a rock climber sure but i rather i don't want to be a pull-up pull specialist <laughs> it means I walk no around legs. looking like a martini glass you know i'm all built up top and then i got this little skinny stem at the bottom is that's the reason why a lot of those guys you see them wearing like these super big shorts we never see those legs, man. <laughs> <laughs> they cover those legs up. But yeah. first, let me ask you this, man. Um, you just mentioned, you know, like like not being your best on certain days. Well, how do you train on days that you don't feel your best? I mean, on when days just feel like it just sucks. Where you're just like, man, I just I'm just not feeling it today. Even when you're making that drive to the gym, you're just sitting there like, I really. <laughs> it seems like that's the day when traffic's really bad. That's when you're running. You, you know, the gas light is coming on, or you just ran over a nail. There are so many obstacles that sit there. Like, you know what, dude? Today's not the day. Turn around. Go home. This is a sucky day. Don't do it. How do you do it, man? How do you train on those days that suck? Well, those days you truly look at it purely as I'm as good as my next workout after this one. And instead of it being, you know, what happens in this workout, you have to see that again. I use the word bridge as an important bridge to your next workout, because that's the different mentality from, say, pre-50 
50 or a pre 30 is where you look at it from the standpoint of I'm, I'm as good as my previous workout. You tell everybody how much you lifted, how much you did, how many of this you did. You really have to mature to a level where you get and you say, you know, especially if I'm going to train for a lifetime, which I believe that I know you two guys, I don't think there's ever a point where you're going to look at it and say, you know, I'm not going to touch anything. I'm not going to lift a weight. I'm not going to, I don't care about being fit. It's, it's not a, when you're younger, you don't think like that. But as you get older, you realize that it's an important part of your life probably psychologically as well to be able to continue to train. So on those days that you just know, you know, for whatever reason, and the thing is, is that it's another thing sincere when you hit an older age, you've got other crap going on all the time. It's right. not like you can plan your day around. It's not <laughs> like, you know, you're a college kid and you, you know, plan on going to class and then, you know, before the party that night, you're, you're hitting the gym. I mean, yeah. It's, I get, I get the <laughs> You've got daily stresses, you know, that just that are outside of training. And so you take that into account and then it's it's really about maturing to that point where mentally you realize, okay, I'm going to look at today as a, as a technical day. I'm going to scale things back. I'm going to make sure that my technique is there and then I'm going to come back stronger. But the surprising thing when you do that, when you take the, the demand, the mental demand off of that, a lot of times you end up having your best workouts. You know, you go in and you say, okay, today is a squat day as an example. Mm-hmm. And you go, okay, I'm just going to make sure that I'm hovering around maybe no heavier than 60% of my 1RM. And then, you know, you're hitting sets of five in your warmups and you're like, man, I mean, this, everything starts to change for the better. And then that, so that's another way of paying attention to that biofeedback is that for, you know, the stress you could be feeling heading to the gym might not be physical stress. It could be something you're you're dealing with, you know, mentally. And so, um, or, you know, emotionally. So from that standpoint, I know most people hear that and it sounds like a bunch of, Ooh. you know, <laughs> psychobabble. But the thing is, is that if you're going to train, you know, for a lifetime, literally, you've got to understand that biofeedback about how your body functions, about how your brain is working and then make decisions spot on with that. I mean, same thing could happen. You could be feeling great. You know, you could be, you know, jacked up on 10 Red Bulls, heading to the gym, everything feels good. <laughs> For whatever reason, you get there and you're in your warm-up sets and you're like, man, I am as flat as a pancake today. Yep, nothing, yep. nothing feels right. Yeah. Those are not the days to look at your your workout log and go, well, come hell or high water, I'm going to bust my ass for that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's, a, yeah. that's when you got to we, we, we become such a slave to programs, don't we? Yeah, where by the okay, numbers. week seven is max week. So no matter what, <laughs> I have to go for a PR, yeah. even if you feel like total crap. And I've often found that a lot of times when I'm not planning on doing a PR, I'm just planning on going through a motion workout, as you're discussing, Vince. Those are the days where you're doing your warm ups. You're like, man, this feels incredible. And then you go for a PR that day when you didn't plan for it. A lot of times when you're planning a PR, just that alone is stressful. So you're driving to the gym going, oh, man, today's the day. <laughs> you know, I got I to do that. And you're creating this unnecessary anxiety. Yeah, yeah we're, we're such yeah. a society where we're bound by these numbers, man. We're prisoners <laughs> to the numbers. We're prisoners to the numbers on a scale. You know, the numbers we're trying to, you know, the maximum weight we're trying to hit within a certain amount of weeks. Numbers, 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 you know, and what ends up. The biggest problem is we have all these expectations, and that's the problem with expectations, man. I mean, it's good to have goals. It's good to have goals and work toward them, but you know, but it's always the stuff that's in between where you are now and that goal that really counts, not that goal itself. And so you have all these expectations, but then when things don't go your way, then, well, crap, man, that didn't work out. Well, time to change programs. This is not – five three one is not working. Got to do something else because I didn't hit that, you know, I didn't hit that PR or whatever because you were, you were stuck on this number. And it just it takes the fun out of it because I think that's another thing that's missing with training. Whether you know we're talking about people who are fifty and older, you know, we're just talking about the ones who are like nowhere near fifty. The fact is they're not. I mean, they're so concentrated on hitting these goals and making sure that they can walk around and say, "Yeah, I benched this, I benched that." And then eventually, at the end of the day, when you start getting into the thirties, forties, and fifties, when no one gives a shit about what you're, you know, how much you bench and all that, then all of a sudden they feel like, and then what's the point? You know, again, so it just takes this downhill spiral right there. So well, I, th- I think the mistake with that, though, is that when, you, when you're doing something to meet the expectations of others, especially strangers, that's bad, always going to be a bad. losing game. So in yeah. other words, if you're trying to hit these PRs in the gym so that next time you're at a party and someone asks <laughs> you that question, what's your deadlift or what's your bench press? Right. 
you can be a, you can be, you can push your chest out and be like, yeah, I just did this recently. And I think I think that's a mistake right there when we're yeah. constantly. I mean, think about how much of one's day revolves around fear based actions. I better put on deodorant, otherwise people are going to think I stink. They're not going <laughs> to like me, you know. I better I better put gas in the car, otherwise I'm going to run out on the way to work. You know, I better show up on time, otherwise I'm going to get fired. Better get my wife flowers, otherwise she's, she's going to hate be me. Mad. You know? <laughs> so I mean, so much of our so much of our lives revolve around fear-based decisions rather than being proactive and coming from a place of strength. And I think people take that into training as well, where they go, "Well, I better work out Monday, Wednesday, Friday, otherwise I'm going to get heart disease." <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to lose yeah, my gains, and, man, you know. <laughs> you know, and what what basically it comes down to when, you know, you're talking about, and Mike, you're dead on on that, you know, as far as that goes, is that, you know, fear-based reactive action is never productive. I mean, I don't care if somebody can sit there and give me an example of where it might be, but it's <laughs> always better to be proactive and to and to take initiative in things. And when you don't understand principles, like training principles, then you have to live by rules. You have to live by laws. You have to live by, I have to do this or else. I have to train my this or this is going to um, atrophy. I have to do this or else. You know, And then, and that is never the recipe for any kind of longevity in training. Now, I'll tell you this, you might have somebody that goes, I've been training for, you know, 30 years, but they have not been training consistently for that length of time. They've right, you know, been right, those guys that right. go for six weeks and then they, you know, stop for six months. They go for six weeks <laughs> and stop for six months, right. you know, and, and that's not, those aren't the guys we're talking about. We're talking about training in a, in a, in a dedicated way where you're, where it's, you know, part of your life on a, on a consistent basis. And it, it really comes down to understanding that if what you're doing today is going to likely cause you to not be able to surpass that in the future or to not be able to train in the future. For instance, if I'm doing, say, you know, one of my heavier workouts and I'm doing um, a form of deadlift or a rack pull out of the rack, you know, at almost 50 years old, that's a very challenging exercise for me that requires a 100% focus. I can't have my mind on either clients. I can't have it on Right. Um, you know, dinner. family, yeah. any, yeah, exactly. You gotta, you gotta be right there in that moment. And then any kettlebell exercise that you're doing for the most part, um, you know, certainly, a, you know, a snatch or, you know, and Mike, you know, you can sincere know that even better than me. You can't have your mind wandering and then expect to not, you know, at some point have a very high injury risk, you know, where you're not catching a snatch correctly. And then there goes right. the shoulder and then you can't train for a certain period of time. So the point is, is that you always have to look at it as, you know, if I do this next set, I'm already starting to feel something I shouldn't be feeling. And then I'll back off as tough as it is for me to do that, because I'm that kind of I've got that mentality. So anybody that thinks that I'm a passive minded person saying all this, I, I'm the exact opposite of that. So I have to literally grab myself by the ear and then come go have a talk with myself in the corner and say, I really don't need to do this next. <laughs> right. Set. At at ninety five percent of my one RM today, you know, I need to back off and just leave that for another day, and then I'll put it in my book. You know, I keep a journal have for thirty years, you know, and so it's not one of those things that, to me, I live by, but it just it reinforces my commitment. That's another reason that I really recommend people keep journals. Is that it's not so much that you look at it and say, okay, I've got to do this today, but it just confirms and then by recording the work that you do and it does it could be nutrition as well by doing that and that's something i learned from clarence bass who was a recent guest um, with you guys yeah. i learned a lot from clarence about uniform eating and about you know writing down the things that you're doing because then it cements them it actually right, right. is giving confirmation to what you're doing as opposed to it just being okay i'm going to go to the gym and work out and hey i'm just going to do what i feel like doing today right right and so there's a lot of benefit to that. And then I can look in my book and go, okay, last week on Tuesday, you know, I was, you know, doing, you know, exercise A and I didn't do five sets. I did four sets, even though I had scheduled five sets. And then I can look at it and go, hey, today I hit five sets and it felt great. So see, right. that's progress. That's progress from last week. Instead of me looking at it as I skipped a set, I'm going, hey, I was actually able to make progress today. This next week, as opposed to if I'd hammered my lower back, 
And then I'm out for a certain period of time where I'm relegated to doing things that I can't train that exercise, then really have I, have I made progress or not? So that's the difference in the mentality you've got to take unless you're a competitive lifter where you've got a meet coming up and then you've really got to look at it from a different perspective of, you know, risking maybe getting that extra set in. It's, it's really best to always scale things back and leave one in the tank, leave a rep in the tank. Um, only on certain exercises do I ever train to what I would call failure or, you know, total fatigue. Right. And I do it, con I do it consciously where I know that I'm, if I'm doing drop sets or something like that for the hypertrophy effect, I do that specifically. Like I don't just get in the middle of the set and go, okay, I'm going for it. You know, it's like, I'm, I know. What, what, what are some of those exercises? Well, as an example, I do, you know, dumbbell press instead of barbell press now, mm -hmm. you know, just it feels better on my shoulders. Sure. And I'll do drop sets one day a week when I'm doing either a decline dumbbell press or a, or a flat bench dumbbell press. On mm -hmm. incline dumbbells, I always go with higher reps and a little bit less weight just because of the, you know, what I've learned over the years as far as the loading on my, the, the, the positioning of it. Sure. Um, uh, overhead press, again, I go lower reps. And, and heavier load incline press is just I think it's because the position on the on the um, on the bench your lower back just gets a little bit kind of you, you end up doing what looks like a flat press because of the way <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so flat press I go <laughs> and um, and then one day a week then I'll go um, I'll, I'll I'll do a, a version of a um, dumbbell press it'll either be decline or flat one of the two days and on one of those two days I'll do drop sets. And, and I don't do them to the point of failure where I'm dumping them on the floor. I, I do it where I know that I can complete that last rep. But the point is, is by doing the drop sets, I'm extending the time under tension. So we're, you know, getting in, you know, specifically just because, you know, as you get to be almost 50 guys, you still want to look good. So you got to keep your pecs there. Um, things like that. I don't go to failure on any lower body stuff, certainly not deadlifts and squats, um, you know, the other thing that I would go to, you know, again, if you're going to go to failure would be, you know, if you're doing specific, you know, single joint moves and so forth and, um, in suspended rows, you know, that's again, a move that you're not putting your lower back in, in, um, in any kind of, right. um, mm -hmm. you know, issues. So I'll, I'll start it for, you know, where I'll wear a weighted vest, feet elevated, and then you gradually bring your feet down to the point and then you know the the finishing reps will be where i'm walking my feet you know further back of the anchor point as an example and um i think mike you had said that you don't do a whole lot of suspension trainer work and um you know with i think that was when you had um john hines yeah, on. right yeah and and i like it just because as you get older it's just it's joint friendly for the most part you know you can change your um the orientation of your grip you can change sure. your, in a position body and it's just you know to me it's a really good move compared to say a bent over row which i'll do one arm at a time these days instead of instead of bilateral just because i'm getting my lower back um plenty when i do my version of deadlift every week and um, sometimes i'll do a trap bar deadlift or i say sometimes some phases i'll do a trap bar mm -hmm. deadlift and then the thing is i'll get to a point and i know this is one of the things i definitely want we i knew we were going to be talking about this how do you know when to change exercises in other words i'll go typically if i looked at my journal it would be an eight mm -hmm. six to eight week period where even if i didn't look at my book and I said, okay, it's been eight weeks. My body starts to adapt, and then I tweak something. Something, and when I say tweak, I don't mean injure. I just mean something doesn't feel right when I go, and it, it can be, you know, mentally. I'm approaching, say, a trap bar deadlift where I've worked up to a certain poundage, and then I go, okay, you know, today I'm not looking forward to doing this exercise. I'm not looking forward to adding more plates on the, on the bar. And then I change the exercise. I'll go to a rack pull. I'll go to some other version of a deadlift. Every week I do a single leg version of deadlift as well. So, I mean, it's one of those things. And that stays consistent. But the bilateral version will change. And that's, I found, probably the most important basic exercise as you get older is not the squat. But it's a loaded hip hinge, which, you know, otherwise known as a deadlift. So, I believe that that is more important than you... I don't back squat anymore. I do everything either from the front or I do a single leg squat as an example. Now, I was a big back squatter all throughout my 30s, you know, from teens all the way through, even prided myself on how much I could squat until <laughs> I realized that I just isn't happening. And because what was happening is I was having to psych myself up to get under that bar on a, on a, this was in my early 40s to the point where I knew, I, I mean, I basically was like, I'm one rep away from something 
that I don't want to happen happening. And right. so right. you're approaching every workout with a certain level of dread. And it goes right back to that same thing. If you guys have ever had a back spasm, which I'm sure at some point you have, and you know what it feels like where you can't train. To me, it's not so much about I can't do anything else. It's the fact that I, you know, can't train. I mean, and then it affects my work. With and any, any back pain is the worst. Yeah. It's so debilitating. Even if you just get, you, you do a deadlift rep goes bad and your lower back is stiff for a week. I mean, that's the worst. It's getting out of bed in the morning. You know, just walking or anything. It makes everything stuff. You can't even take a dump correctly, you know, when your back <laughs> is all jacked up, man. It's just. No, it's part of, it goes back to your point, Vince, about just leaving a few reps in the bank. And that's, yeah. that's imperative when you're doing deadlifts. I don't, I think doing heavy deadlifts to failure, seeing how many reps you can do is always a bad mistake <laughs> yeah. because at some point, one of those reps is going to go bad because you're chasing numbers now. So you're trying to hit a number irrespective of what your technique looks like. And you're, and then you're going to get sloppy and sloppier. Charles Poliquin has a good point where he says once the technique breaks down, he doesn't count the reps at that point. Right. So yeah, doing an overhead press and you hit rep eight and that's good. But then 9, 10, 11 are sloppy. Those don't count. Yeah, it's kind yeah, of bad. One of, the things that I've, one of the things that I've stole from, from Chad Waterbury is um, rep speed. I mean, and again, and I'm not talking about, you know, counting tempo necessarily but just from the standpoint when my rep speed on certain exercises is discernibly slower i know okay in other words i want to accelerate the bar and if that's starting to slow down to a crawl then i know and, I'm, and unless you're doing a one rep max obviously which i don't do anymore but i mean the point is is that when you're doing sets of five say and then you get to set a rep three and then everything just slows down to a halt. I'm not going to grind out those next two. Just, <laughs> right, right. You know, and that's and that to me has been a, a real saver as far as um, you know my health goes. Is to be able to you know understand I'm a lot better off knowing I can train next week and do this exercise next week than I am risking doing something stupid now to just say that I completed what I set out to complete. I mean, you right. really have to get to that level of maturity where you realize that your commitment is more of the big picture in training for, you know, from, you know, this week, next week and, and so forth, as opposed to just fulfilling what the work order was for today. And I think that's where when we're younger, it's all about, you know, and the thing is, I don't think it's a, it's a coincidence when we're younger, we're able to do that and get away with it because our body's just a little more resilient, you sure. know, connect, connective tissue wise. And you just don't have the same level of stress in, in, in your life and so forth. And I think that's the main thing. And that's why I like, getting back to, um, you know, training older clients. And, and I say older in the sense of, you know, 87 is, is pretty old, but I mean the 50-year-old generation. I just don't do high-tech exercise, high-demand technical exercises with those guys for the most part because I'm not in control of their biofeedback. In other words, I can't tell. I don't usually program it. I know my body and I know the stresses that I go through. So I'm in control of that when I decide if I'm going to do a, you know, a snatch, if I'm going to do a, even a whether kettlebell or a barbell snatch, because I have to teach those exercises to my athletes. So I like to stay sharp with them so that I can not look like an absolute buffoon when I'm teaching them. Right. So, so I make sure that I'm sharp enough, you know, technically wise to do those. Now, I'm not going to take a 45 year old guy that comes into me today and says, you know, hey, design a program for me. And I go, okay, well, we're going to do, you know, split jerk, you know, we're going to hang snatch. We're going to, it's just, to me, those are, those are those types of exercises that they're just, I mean, you know, I know CrossFit does them and it doesn't matter what age you are, you're going to do them. But I just don't see the value in those when there are alternatives that are just as good, maybe not from an ego gratification standpoint, but see that I don't want a guy coming in who's stressed out and has just been in business meetings all day, or maybe been, you know, getting deposed by an attorney. And then he comes in and then <laughs> wired up and he comes in and I say, okay, today is split snatch. And we're, you know, <laughs> you know we're going to, we're going to hit, you know, a three RM today. I mean, no, those are good points, Vince. I think I think as you're talking, I'm thinking about people who always try to emulate other people's programs. So, for example, I may post here's a workout I did yesterday and people are going, oh, cool. I'm, I'm going to try that tomorrow. And then they're going, hey, I've been trying your, your what you've been doing and it's not working for me. And they go, well, you didn't take into account my stress management abilities. Maybe I have low stress and that's why I'm pushing so hard. Maybe I'm in a higher stress phase. Maybe they're in a high stress phase if they can't push as hard. So I think those are important points to bring up because I know personally when I'm going through a high stress phase, it dramatically 
affects my training regimen. I mean, you have to overhaul the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. And you, you typically, you know, Mike and Sincere, you guys, you know, you can wake up and it's not so much about, hey, am I going to have a good workout today or not? But you can tell <laughs> what's going to happen, you know, with your body on that given day. I mean, you just wake up out of bed and, you know, for the most part, you can, you know, if you need to take another day of rest. And again, when I say rest, I'm talking <laughs> act, right. act, when you wake up and you're still tired, that's a bad sign. Exactly. It's <laughs> like, you know what, today just might be a joint mobility day right here. In the bedroom. <laughs> bit up, yeah, you've been up for an hour and you can barely keep your eyes open. You, go, you may not want to go lift anything heavy today. <laughs> you know, and, and the same thing, same thing, you know, with, with exercises that, you know, just high load exercises that are not necessarily technically, you know, like an Olympic lift or, you know, a lot of kettlebell exercises are very, you know, technically based. Mm-hmm. But, you know, say, a, you know, a deadlift or a squat where you've got to, for instance, when you're doing a deadlift, how to learn how to take slack out of the bar before you press it off the ground. If you've got somebody that's got their mind on crap that's been going on before they got there or stuff that they have to face next, and you see their mind wandering when they're going down to the bar, you're like, no, this we just don't need to do this today. I mean, this guy definitely does not need to you know, mess up a disc in addition to everything else that he's going on. So I find exercises that, and I always say this, load the move as opposed to move the load. Mm. So we find exercise, we find, you know, moves or mechanically sound, you know, biomechanically sound moves. And then I load those with a lot of people, like I mentioned with the 87 year old client, we do kettlebell deadlifts. There's no reason in the world for me to put a bar in that guy's hands and then, you know, see, you know, what we, what'll happen. I mean, it's just, <laughs> yeah, he's not, this guy's probably not looking to compete at a meet in a few months. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. He probably doesn't care about what his PR is either on the deadlift barbell deadlift. And so, but at the same time, he needs to do a basic movement pattern. That's sure. a, that's a hip hinge. So right. instead of me going, Oh, I'll never deadlift this guy. We do a version of a deadlift. You know, we right. just make sure we, we load it in an appropriate way so that the risk is not, you know, surpassing what the benefit is because the benefit is definitely there. I mean, this guy plays golf three, four times a week. He's, I mean, he comes into my gym, you know, fired up, ready to work out, but says he hates every second of it still to this day. I mean, that's the thing when somebody goes, oh, well, he just loves working out. He'll be the first one to tell you he hates every (laughs) second of it, but, but it's that commitment that he has and then understanding how to pull back just enough. So he comes back the next week because he's a good example that if we pushed it over the red line, He'd probably be out of commission for you know a long period of time. Do you, maybe do you think that? Back do you think his it. mentality is unsustainable in the long run, though? When someone says, "I hate every second of it," how sustainable I, is that? Or how be? believable is that as well? Because they keep coming. <laughs> right. No, that's my thing. Is like, how believable is that when they say that? Sometimes people just like to say stuff to say that. Yeah, yeah. But at exactly. the same time, if they if they really hated it, they really wouldn't do it. Like, yeah, I mean, totally just let's agree. just be honest about it. I mean, it sounds good you know, in rhetoric or whatever, but, you know, at the end of the day, he's, there's something about it that he likes, and that's the reason why he keeps coming back, you know, because that's, 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 like, that's not like a marriage where it's going to yeah. cost him if he doesn't come back, you know, it's just, it's not like that where he's got this. No, you're right, Sincere, because a lot, a lot of so-called fitness experts always like to wear that badge. You know, I hate working out just like everyone else, but I just, I just suck it up because of this reason, or I hate, I hate minute eating of training, clean. but, you know, I'm going to wake up a champion. Okay, Muhammad Ali, stop it. Quick, Or they go, food. you know, I, I have the same desires for crappy food as other people. I just do this. Like, no, you don't. <laughs> You know, shut up. So when no one's watching, you got a face full of bluebell ice cream going on, (laughs) man, at 12 at midnight. (laughs) No, you're right on. And the thing is, is that it's probably a a level of truth in both of those. I don't think he hates it because you're right. I mean, he has other options. He doesn't need to come back. He probably just enjoys complaining about it. And there you go. A lot of older people fall into that category, right? (laughs) You know, a lot of old people are just like, oh, when I was younger, you know, you hear that kind of stuff all the time. They just like to complain about it. I mean, most people like to complain, period. But I think think, think it starts ascending as you get older. (laughs) It's their form of stress relief, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And, And again, and he's somebody that does stuff on his own so he's doing something seven days a week. And that's where he does mobility and activation drills seven days a week in the morning before. And I see him, I just have him two days a week. And then he trains on his own two other, you know, where he does a, a um, regulated workout two other. So he's training four days a week in addition to three days a week that he does his mobility and so forth. So he's basically on that, that plan that I was talking about earlier. And, you know, so this is somebody that says he hates what he's doing, but he's doing it. 
but he's doing it without somebody standing over him and, you know, and making sure he's doing it. So the point is, is that I think, again, that's a little tongue in cheek when he says that. And I do jump on him about it. Well, you know, I mean, just to to bring up and use an analogy, a lot of people dislike what they do and they still do it somehow. They just suck it up. I mean, how many people, I mean, most studies that look at job satisfaction, the majority of people are dissatisfied, period. They want to be doing something else, but they still just wake up and keep doing it. So I think, I think our ability to adapt is not always a good thing. Sometimes it keeps us in really negative situations because we're willing to just cope with it. On the flip side of that, maybe he does hate it, but just hating, he probably hates the idea of dying tomorrow from being unhealthy a little bit more (laughs) than working out with you, Vince. So maybe that I'll give him the benefit of the doubt on that side of things. (laughs) Maybe that's it. I I I stole this quote from um, you know Jack Lalane before he passed. He said, and this was way before he passed, and probably twenty years. He said, Jack said. I can't die because it'll ruin my reputation. <laughs> well, I told I told Dr. Joe, who's this this 87 year old client of mine. I said you can't die, or it's going to ruin my reputation. Now, because the thing is, is that we've already you know we kid about it because he's you know I mean he's as much of a fixture here in my facility as as anybody, and and it's and it's not just because he's been with me for over 15 years. It's just the fact that he positively impacts. And in, in all his, I hate doing this, it's amazing the impact that he has on when I've got my high school guys in here, I'm talking about my high school football players and they're training and they see this guy and they're going, wait a minute, this guy's, you know, that's a 106 pound kettlebell that the dude's picking up and he's swinging the 32 K nice. something's not. And these are guys that'll complain about doing oh the same God, thing. And he's yeah. pushing the prowler. He's pushing the prowler. 25 yards down and back and they're looking at this and they're like something's not right here you know and, I, and i'm like yeah, exactly your it's your all mindset. about perspective <laughs> you're right on that's what i use i use that as it is it's a it's a mental block that these kids have until they see that and then it just inspires them all the more you know to, right. to realize what and then throwing the med ball i mean he's throwing an eight pound med ball and firing it into the wall like it's a you know a, a two pound med ball for you know most right. people you know, you know, you know I think one difference between people that have been working out since their youth and now they're in their 50s versus someone who just started working out in their 50s is the first person is not going to be hitting PRs anymore for the most part. And that's going to especially past 60. I mean, Steve Maxwell talked about that on the show. Yeah. But the, the second person who's never really worked out hard, he's probably going to hit a lot of PRs because he's never done it before. So he's going to increase his strength and so forth because there isn't a baseline. So in some ways that can be that can work to your advantage because making progress is very encouraging. You know, if you're just working out to work out, that's not anywhere near as exciting as getting strong or putting more weight on the bar, doing more repetitions, doing more in less time. Exactly. When you start talking about yeah. perspective again, it's like you got two different perspectives on progress now. So you got that guy that just started round 50 and he's hitting all those PRs. You know, that's going to keep him motivated to keep going. But then you got the one that's been training all his life and he's hitting 50. The fact that he can get go another day of training without another injury, to him, that's progress. He's like, okay, okay, I'm not hurt today. I can still move. Everything's still functioning now. I'm, st- I'm actually working through those old injuries that I had before. And, you know, now I'm starting to see that that shoulder pain is finally going away. Even though I'm still training, I'm not getting any new injuries. And I'm actually rehabbing the old, older ones. Well, to him, that's progress. So you got two perspectives on progress right there. So it's two different, like I said, two different types of progression happening it's just yeah. on different uh, yeah. different ends of the spectrum you know and the thing is is that a lot of what we do and I, and I know you guys are you know in the profession like i am so you're not just training to you know just as a as a you know recreational avenue it's something that's a big part of your life and in, in um, many different ways is that a lot of the training benefit we have is the psychological part so from mm-hmm. the standpoint sure. of you know when an athlete gets injured and they can't perform on the field, you know, which unfortunately I have to deal with at times with, right. with guys that I work with. It's not the physical that these guys shed tears about. It's not the physical part of having to go through rehab and having to, it's the psychological part of, am I going to be able to come back mm-hmm. or what do I do with my life now that I'm not out on the field? And for people that don't get that and they just, and they'll, you know, you know, just, um, in, in whatever way, tell them basically just get over it or 
they patronize them and, you know, tell them that hey, <laughs> right. other things, there are other things in the world than playing football or, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. That, that like, stuff never, that stuff never works, right? When you're going through something <laughs> and someone's helping. like, well, think about people in Zambia, you know what they're dealing with. It's like, you know what? You're right. But that but doesn't make me feel any better. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so for us, I mean, the thing is, is that it's so important to always keep in mind when we're training that we don't ever want to be at that week where we can't train. Right. And so, you know, when we're when we're lifting, it's like, OK, no, you can't be passive about it and then tiptoe through your workout. And that's and, and that's not what we're talking about at all, because that's a good way to get hurt, too, by the way. Yeah. If you tra- if you train with the mentality of, oh, crap, I don't want to get hurt, then it's just like, yeah, you know, like I tell hurt. my guys, it's that whole fear based players. mindset where you're creating that outcome. Yeah. So you, you worry about it. You'll find a way to get and hurt. So, trust me. so the key is to have clarity. Clarity brings confidence. And that's something that a lot of people, when they, they hear that, they go, they, people don't want to talk about something that they don't understand. Right, right. So when you bring up having clarity <laughs> leads to confidence, then they go, I don't know what clarity is. And it comes right back to understanding principles of training, you know, training principles that you can apply consistently over a period of time, as opposed to, you know, sprinting to the finish in six weeks or you know, whatever they do now, 12 weeks or all these silly programs. Yeah. It's all about <laughs> 30 days. What can I, what can I do today to apply these principles right. in a, in a way that I can do it without getting hurt or without, or, or let me put it this way with, with minimizing the injury risk because the injury risk is there if you wake up in the, in the morning. So, so it's all about what can I do today to apply these principles and then, you know, for instance, a lot of, as an example, okay, I'm almost 49. There's a deadlift day for me every week. If that deadlift day I'm confronted with it and I go today for whatever reason, I slept weird or I picked up something. By the way, I hate moving stuff, guys. Anytime my wife says something has to be moved, I find myself absent because I just, don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't, I don't, and I always explain, she, she's like, wait a minute. <laughs> just disappear. Where fits go? You lift things for a living. Where? How come you? Oh my can't? God, dude! Don't even get me started with that. Because my wife always says the same thing. Like, you sit there and you can swing a kettlebell for ten minutes, and you don't want to lift this. That's the reason why I don't want to lift that. Because I stand also, also the part. Um, also, I make good money too. Exactly, so I get paid lift. to do that. <laughs> Some way, somehow. See people doing all this landscaping. They're like, why don't you do it? I go, I got better things to do, man. I'm not going to climb up a palm tree and, and because, trim it. Because you that know? dude over there is far better at landscaping than I am. Come on, he's a landscaper. I mow yards. There's a difference. So, Shame on shame on you for not supporting the economy. Here's a guy trying to make a living, you know, and you're taking money out of that guy. Exactly. He's good at what he does. I want to let him do what he does. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. It's like my, my wife just moved her office as an example. She's an attorney and she just moved her office and she had to take an entire Sunday to do it. And she, I said, look, go ahead. I said, I said, hire our um, 17 year old daughter's boyfriend. I said, I'm not going to lift all this. I said, it's too. And I found myself, I said, it's all awkward stuff. And I'm thinking in my brain, I got a deadlift on Monday. (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, I don't want to do anything to interfere with my workout. You know, I just, I mean, it's, and I know I'm not the only one that thinks like that, but as we get older, I start thinking of, I don't want to tweak something that's going to interfere with what, and I know that goes completely against Hey, what what do you work out for? You work out so that you're you can function better in everyday life, and you can and I get that, and I'm with that. I mean, if we can't do all those things, but at the same time, the the reality is, and this has to do with just about anybody I work with, is that there is a bit of vanity in the reason that we work out. If you completely eliminate that part of it it's a very likely thing that you're going to skip workouts that you're going to lose interest in it. And you're not going to have that passion. That <laughs> I don't think we have to worry about a, a lack of vanity spreading across the country anytime soon. What, <laughs> so as long as there's social because, media around. We're yeah, good. exactly. Most, most people posting selfies every two minutes. I don't, there's, I don't think, I don't think we're going to have an epidemic of people not being too vain anytime soon. <laughs> but, but the thing is, is that that's, we have to take that into account when we, sure. when we look at, when we look at our training is that is the reality is, is that if, if any, any of us, you know, had to quit training for any length of time, it would be as much of a mental challenge for us as it would be a physical challenge. And so, yeah. so when we, when we approach our workouts, we need to approach it with, and, and again, 
when I say long term, people want immediate gratification, and I get that. However, it doesn't do you any good to get immediate gratification if it's going to completely destroy tomorrow. Yeah. So the thing and, is, and I don't know why people feel that they should be getting immediate gratification. I mean, where else are you getting that? If you start a business, are you in the green from day one? Probably yeah, not. Right. You're probably going to be in the red for a long time, and then you have to enjoy that process, push through it, and, and get to where you want to go. So, I mean, anything that's meaningful in life that you're trying to achieve, it's not going to be – there's not going to be a phase of immediate gratification other than the fact that you're actually doing it. That's 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 the gratification. Yeah, the process of it yeah, is. Exactly, that's, the process. And that's what I'm talking about. I mean, the process – I mean, the days – you know, when I know that I've got, you know, workout scheduled as an example, there's a process, including my work with clients and everything, that leads up to that to that workout. And I have a ritual that I do. And that's another thing from the standpoint of that I learned a lot from Clarence Bass and I'm going to use his name again because we're talking about training as we get um, you know into that mature age is that you need to have rituals in your life whether it's you know nutritional rituals uh, mobility rituals and like when we um, talked before I told you guys I have a morning ritual of my mobility that just I do not veer from and it's it's a consistent everyday thing the only thing that changes is how many of certain drills that I do on a given day. If I need to do more, um, you know, neck mobility, I'll do that more wrist. You know, I've had I recently had some some elbow issues and I've had to do more stuff with my elbows and, and forearm stretches and things like that, that I right. typically wouldn't have to do as much of. And, you know, that's important. And then another thing that um, I almost forgot about cardio, conventional you know, specific cardio, you've got to scale it back. You really, and I know that's a blanket mm. statement and most people say, you know, and I, and again, I'm not telling everybody, you know, never do this or never, you know, you see the, you know, you'll get fat if you do anything more than 20 minutes and then, you'll, <laughs> and then you'll, then you have the other side, you'll never get leaner unless you do more than 20 minutes. And so it's like, <laughs> it, it, and all that stuff to me, any, anytime you hear an extreme statement one way or the other, right. it's yeah. garbage and it's there to, it's Absolutely. there to sell, sell something. And, exactly. you know, and that's most of the stuff that I say is not extreme enough, you know, to sell. And that's why most people, but the reality is, and you guys know that as well as anybody, the truth is usually right down the middle someplace. Exactly. Yeah. What's disheartening is I agree a hundred percent with everything you just said, but what what a lot of people find is that that's not marketable. They have to go, they have to go through these over the top mess. I'm not saying I agree with this because I I don't use those measures myself. I'm, my attitude is I'm just going to give you the reality, whether you like it or not. I'm not going to just make up a bunch of crap to find some clever way to feed this to you. But I think a lot of people, especially people getting into our business now feel that if they don't use exciting taglines, their website's not going to get the clicks they need, or they're not going to build a over the top promise, you know, this unique selling point. Well, guess what? Guess what? In marketing these days, there's no such thing as a unique selling point. Stop that bullshit. I'm so sick of that phrase. You know, what's your, what's your unique selling point? Come on. Okay. You're already starting off the wrong way. And that's, that's what usually opens the door for all this crap, the over the top selling. I have a black and white goatee. Well, guess what? Guess what, Mike? So do I. (laughs) (laughs) You're not unique anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, that, those are real good points. No, I, I definitely agree with you, Vince. Though, I, and, I, and I'm glad that you keep pushing that message, and people like Clarence Bass do as well. And I think it's important that those of us keep doing that because just because that the marketing trends are to go over the top doesn't mean that we should all follow suit. Exactly. Here's a unique yeah, selling point: get some results for that client, make that client happy, so happy that they're telling everybody how fucking yeah, good you yeah, are. Exactly. There's a unique selling point. Guess what? You helped them get those results, not someone else. There you go. Focus on that. Yeah, because the reality is, is that all the methods and all the stuff works to some degree, you know, so to to argue about what works and what doesn't work is absolutely a waste of time and, you know, time you can't get back. Whereas if you teach Mm -hmm. principles and it doesn't matter if somebody's never touched the kettlebell, as an example, or if somebody literally just Mm -hmm. does nothing but trains with kettlebells, you can have those principles applied either way. And the sure. same thing yep. with, you know, a barbell, same thing with body weight. I mean, like, you know, Steve Maxwell, I think the majority of what he's doing right now is primarily with body weight. And, yeah. and yes. you see the life that that guy's, you know, living on a daily basis and, you know, what he's practicing. But he's he's applying principles the same way that Clarence Bass applies principles, the same way that Larry Scott, who, you yes. know, is a guy that I learned a lot from early on, who's, sure. you know, again, for, strictly from the bodybuilding world. And it always comes back to, you know, what principles 
do you do you understand and how are you applying those across the board on a consistent basis with some level of progression? That doesn't mean again where you know you've got to be you know pounding yourself with heavier and heavier weights all the time. That's that could be part of it, but the weight itself is just one component that you can play with. I mean, the actual loading is one component. You can play with the loading. You can play with, you know, a lot of, you know, the, um, the tempo of the reps, like we talked about before. Mm. I mean, there's it, it, none of it is the thing that's most important. And so as you get older, you always have to look at it as what can I do that I can make progress and then create the best environment to remain healthy while I'm, while I'm doing that. And sometimes it's not more load. Sometimes it's, you know, applying, um, you know, static holes, as an example, learning how to sure. apply mm-hmm. isometric holes, like you were talking about, Mike, you know, when you, you know, get up to the top of doing a pull up or a chin up and you're right. holding it for a level of, um, you know, two seconds sure. or longer. I mean, those are all key things that you can do to make progress, because when it comes down to it, good form is not a moral issue. I mean, all <laughs> when you tell yeah. When you tell them to use good form, they look at you like, especially the high school guys. And I go, guys, look, has nothing. I don't care if you use good form morally. I mean, it, but if you want to load the the body the way that we're attempting to and to, you know, improve force production, then do it like this. You know, it's just if you want to violate mechanical integrity, you know, in 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 some kind of you know perverted way, go ahead and do it. But you're <laughs> wasting your time. Yeah. And that's and that's the thing that a lot of people just they think it's all about, you know, I've got to do it goes right back, Mike, to the fear based thing. You know, if you're doing something, you know, more out of a reactive, um, you know, stance as opposed to understanding, <laughs> hey, I'm going into this exercise, whatever it is, and then I'm applying yeah. sound principles, then that's that's how you have a good perspective on what you're doing. And then you have clarity with your training. And then you actually look forward on, even on the days that you're not feeling it, you actually know that you're making progress that's right. carrying over to your next workout. Yeah. 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 Excellent, man. Well, Hey, we really appreciate you being on the show. This is a great episode. Excellent material. Where, where, where is your gym based? And then where can people find out more about what you offer? I'm in Fairhope, Alabama. Fairhope is most people, the largest city near here is Mobile, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Mobile is in the very Southern part of the state of Alabama, and we're right near the Gulf of Mexico. So actually not too different. Mobile is a smaller version of Houston, Sincere. Oh, I've been to Mobile. I, you know, I've been yeah. to Mobile okay. many times. So Okay, well, then, yeah. you know, it's right on, you know, stay on I-10 and you yep. run right into it. Right into it, yeah. And, um, you know, the, um, the location that we were across the bay from Mobile, so there's a lot of water around here and um, a lot of humidity and heat these days, as Sincere will know. Yeah, a lot of brown uh, water. <laughs> a lot of brown water. Yeah. We're, we're the part of the Gulf you will not find in Miami. Okay, so it's not the yeah, same yeah, Gulf of true. Mexico, <laughs> you know. True. And um, website? I'm not, not going to ask you to distinguish why the water is so brown. <laughs> <laughs> I, let's I, leave I, that one in mystery. Yes, let's leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> and uh website mcconnellathletics.com and um thing is is that most of you know most of my work is i, I want to do more stuff with the website and then so anything that you see right now is going to be better in the coming weeks i've actually got ideas that we're going to be implementing and and uh, putting some products and things like that up there and it um it, it's just been a slow process because every time i say i'm going to find time to do it something something else that's that's a good thing comes up as far as um you know the work that i'm doing here yeah, well that. you're yeah. you're actually in the field training yeah, exactly. people. <laughs> and my coach mark Phillippe, same thing i mean he's training people every day so it's it's hard to find time to update the website or come up with ideas so i get that and um, it's like right now I have to lock the doors so nobody comes in and, you know, is banging or I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be doing this right here. I have to make sure that nobody's going to be coming in and, and um, you know, interrupting what we're doing. But um, and by the way, this this show is the best show out there. And I, I'd be you know, I, I'm not just saying that because I'm talking to you guys. Um, I try to keep up with it. I really enjoy the one with um, with um, Furman that you guys just did on mobility cool. and um, you. You know, and everything. And so anytime that I do actually listen to podcasts, it's y'all's. So, Oh man, thanks a lot. Well, I appreciate it, man. Yeah. I mean, coming from a guy like you, a very well-renowned strength coach, that definitely means a lot. And uh, we can definitely tell you, listen to the episode the show because you're always citing episodes. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. that's definitely pretty cool. 
Well, hey, thanks again, Vince. Appreciate it. Great information. And we'll definitely encourage people to check out your website. Again, it's McConnellAthletics.com? Correct. Okay. Two C's, McConnell two N's, two L's, folks. <laughs> yeah, two N's. Exactly. Two N's, two L's. All right. Perfect. Thanks again, Vince. You take care. Hey, anytime, man. Let's do this again. Take Sounds care, good, brother. Vince. You take care. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. And that, again, is our friend Vince McConnell. Definitely check out his website. And also check out our websites by using coupon code LLA. Go to MikeMahler.com. Get 10% off any of my products. You can also go to AggressiveStrength.com. I just have a landing page for my testosterone booster if you want to get there faster. And use that coupon code. Also, make sure you look at the bundle specials I offer. One thing you'll realize is that if you just buy one bottle of something, that's way more expensive than buying three or five. It gets cheaper as you go higher. So you can actually get five bottles of my testosterone booster for $35.95 per bottle versus $49.95 for one. And then you can use that coupon code and get an additional 10% off of that. So it really brings the price down. So just keep that in mind. And how about with your website, man? Same thing, man. Go to newwarriortraining.com, type the coupon code, LLA, 10% off all the products over there. Wellness code, digital copy of that book, digital copy of my bodyweight training DVD. We've been talking a lot about a lot about bodyweight training during this episode with Vince. So, you know, you want to get some fresh ideas when it comes to bodyweight training, then definitely pick up my DVD, the physical or digital copy. Either way, what works for you, as well as the Costa Rican Churria doors, which are these pour over coffee drip stands. And one thing about it, when you use a pour over method to brew your coffee, Definitely, you'll see a big difference between that and using your just regular, everyday electric coffee maker. You're going to have so much more flavor. It's going to be fuller. It's going to be bolder. It's going to be smooth. And you're going to realize, like, oh, I can actually see what Sears talking about when he posts that this coffee has notes of fruit and chocolate and cocoa and and a little bit of you know hints of leather and things like that. All these different aromas and, and tastes come through when you use a pour over method compared to just putting in the electric coffee maker. It's pretty much burning your coffee, no matter how great your electric machine is. It's still really over-extracting your coffee and really stripping and making it very acidic. And that's the reason why so many people have issues with coffee. And they say, oh, I can't drink coffee, man. It upsets my stomach. A lot of times it's because your brewing method is what's upsetting your stomach. And here's a way to improve that and give yourself a second chance at coffee, maybe a third chance, or as Cat Williams said in his recent special, his fifth second chance. <laughs> so, you know, we'll definitely talk about that, man. We'll talk about that in another episode, man, about his, his recent special, man. But, um, yeah, so go over to uh, newwarriortraining.com, type in that coupon code LLA. You get 10% off all those products over there, man. Yeah, make sure you leave us reviews on iTunes or on Stitcher. And, you know, you may have to remove your head from your own ass to do that. that that's <laughs> the sound of your not. head coming out of your ass. <laughs> <laughs> so some of you, I realize, haven't done it yet because your head is up your own ass, which, which makes perfect sense. You can't see the screen. <laughs> so remove it. Prove to us that you're not one of those people by removing your head and giving us a review. Because otherwise, we're going to just start naming people out who've been listening to this show since inception, who haven't given us a review. And you're going to be part of that head up your ass category. We're going There's to make a new club sh- right there, you know. <laughs> the head up the ass club. Okay. <laughs> All right, folks. Thanks again. Check, definitely check out our guest, Vince McConnell's website, McConnellAthletics.com. And then check out our websites. MikeMahler.com, NewWarriorTraining.com, also AggressiveStrength.com if you just want to go right to my testosterone booster page. And use that coupon code, support us, support the show, and keep on listening. Thank you. Take care, folks.